Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Ava DuVernay should have already won an Oscar. Reese Witherspoon doesn't need to make her own production company to get roles. And Oprah is really the only celebrity worthy enough to be president. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hi, Diana. Erin! How are you? I'm doing really well. It's lovely to sit across the table from you. I know. I'm so excited we're spending the morning together. Oh, my God. How's your week been? It's been really good. I feel like it was like a weird haul to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan today. Mm-hmm. It's like a totally different energy to be in and like to go and record a podcast with you is like such a... We've been talking about this forever. Yeah. So I feel like it's very exciting that it's finally happening. Totally. How's your week been? Well, last night I went to a cat circus. Like, I wasn't going to lead with that, (laughs) but I saw it on your Instagram stories, and I was like, at one point did we bring this up? Yeah. How was it? You know, it was shocking. (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun, but it also brought out, like, a lot of crazy craziness of, like, who is buying tickets to this? And, you know, people with families and children, it was like, this makes sense for you. And then there was like a group of us, the majority of us were just like weird cat people. And it was so funny, every time they brought a different cat on stage, and there were 12 cats in the act. There are 12 cats? 12 cats, and they would put them in those little carriers, and they would blow a whistle, and the cats would go back into their carriers, and then a new one would come out and do a trick, and every time a cat came out, like, the whole audience would go, aww. Like, it was the weirdest it was like all of our weird, like weirdo stuff you keep at home, like with your love for your cat, like in in a theater with 200 people. It was outrageous. Okay. So this is a cat circus. Is it a traveling circus? Is this like a New York thing? That's a great question. I have no idea. Okay. I know that they are going to Philadelphia next and they're doing <laughs> four shows in New York. So I guess they are traveling, but I don't know if they're just like an East Coast thing or. How did you find out about said cat circus? My husband, Sal, was, had found it somewhere. He was thrilled about it yesterday. Like, I think he mentioned it approximately seven times in well, an hour. Well, we found out about it, like, yesterday. Mm. And we are like, we have to go to this, right? It's just so weird not, like, how could we not go? But the best part was that, you know, obviously the cats could do, like, jumps and rolls and tricks. But they were also cats. And so at one point she was like, you know, if the cat decides they don't want to do it and they want to get off stage and walk around, you know, we let them do that. So at one point, like (laughs) one of the cats just like abandoned and is like walking around, (laughs) like roaming in between our feet. And like, or if they decided they didn't want to do a trick, they were just this, give them a treat and like put them back. Like there was no pressure on the cats to, to have to do it. I mean, I which was like phenomenal because so, right. that's like half of it is like, are the are she really going to get the cats to like sit on a ball and roll it down the <laughs> aisle? So wait, the cats go into the audience and like start like doing their cat. They things. just went rogue. Yeah. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. where did this incredible event occur? In Brooklyn, <laughs> near Bam. <laughs> right, right. That's the only place where that can happen. It was great, and they were like, "Now we have to keep the doors shut because we don't want them to like escape." <laughs> It was great, but then it was so cute. Like, the cats would mosey through the halls, and then they would, like, just rejoin the stage and be like, all right, I'm ready now to, like, do stuff and be the star, and it was hysterical. I feel like there's so much to learn from those cats. Also, 
all of the women, all of the people who ran this production were women. It was three women. And they wore the most phenomenal outfits. It was like, I can't describe. It was like Halloween costumes of cats plus glitter plus like Gemma and the holograms, like that kind of like just funky, like crimped hair, scrunchies. It was the best. Like their outfits and the fact that it was just run by three women who were just like throwing cats in and out of these carriers and like having them do tricks was hysterical. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, who else would be able to have the patience to like wrangle 12 cats? You're literally hurting cats. Yeah. It was crazy. Amazing. It was a delight. And also a hedgehog and a chicken made an appearance. Stop. <laughs> like, how do you integrate a hedgehog and a chicken into a cat I don't circus? even want to give it away. Oh. You yeah, got to go were, get your tickets. They were really part of the act. So. Philadelphia's next? Philadelphia's next. The Acro Cats, I believe. You can do a Google and find them. Okay, great. Free plug here on Beaver Talk. Yeah, they're about, that website's about to explode with ticket sales. Yeah. A hedgehog and a chicken. Yeah. Okay, what are we doing this morning? We what is are... this? <laughs> like, do we... I feel like we're here this morning to talk a little bit about or more about, well, first of all, the cat circus. Yeah. But you and I have had this idea up our sleeves for a while. Yes, we have. Well, I mean, Diana and I, full disclosure, used to work together. For those of you who don't know. Every day. (laughs) Um, And we would come in every morning. And I feel like before we could get into really anything, it was like, what have you been watching? Did you see this article? Have you seen the latest episode? Can for like 20 minutes, we would just, we really needed to like get it out of our systems. Yeah. We needed to like share a brain and, and part of our emotional check-ins, which we do every morning, it was like, what are you feeling about media right now? Mm-hmm. And it could go be everything from like an Instagram post to like a full-fledged movie to an article. Like it was just, we would just download into each other. Yeah. And so we finally decided to bring it to everyone to kind of share what we're thinking and feeling and and really to just get into it because I feel like so much of it is um, kind of like a sanity check of like, mm-hmm. am I insane? Like, is this really happening? Do we really have to be talking about this? Are we really still in this place? So um, it's so cool that we get to finally do it on a more formal scale. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I think that that piece of like wanting to sanity check and wanting to validate the things that we're feeling, but maybe having a hard time articulating is such Mm -hmm. a central part of feminism. And it's such a central part of, um, you know, being an engaged critical thinker around popular culture, you know, so much of it is like, can be cast aside as frivolous or cast aside as, you know, that's not all that important, but I think you and I find, I mean, obviously we work in media and we want to, um, be very mindful about representation and mindful about the stories we're telling. And I think a lot of people appreciate that, whether they work in media or not. Totally. Shall we get into our first segment of the show? I mean, I can't believe we're here already, but I think so. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, this is the, um, the part of the show that we like to call fake news. It's our um, dispatches from Hollywood that we wish existed. <laughs> Um, can we just start out with like the obvious one? What's the obvious one? I'm just pulling my list up. Equal pay for equal work in Hollywood. Can we stop reading headlines about actresses taking or actors taking pay cuts so actresses can be paid more and actresses doing it for cheap? And that's oh like my so gosh, insulting, isn't it? It's I mean, like, insulting. hooray for solidarity, but like, really, that's where we need to go. To I feel make like it that's happen. not even solidarity. It's just like 
you know, it is nice of them to do that, but it's like, can we just pay people more? Yeah, 100%. So in my fantasy Hollywood world, you know, we're getting paid equally. Yeah, for sure. How about the fact that James Cameron should apologize to women everywhere and specifically Patty Jenkins for just dismissing the fact that Wonder Woman is like a phenomenon and he was pretending like it was just some dinky movie that like he can't figure out why everyone's so excited about. Yeah, I feel like this is like such a class. It's so disappointing because it's such a classic response. It's just such a like, hey, you had this incredibly objectively successful run with this film. I'm going to take that away from you Mm because I'm the biggest I'm one of the biggest directors in Hollywood. Um, but like, talk a little bit about like what happened there. Cause I feel like she reposted his, like the statement on Twitter. Yeah. And then it kind of went from there. Well, basically he was just kind of saying like, I thought the movie was okay. And like, I don't know why everyone is freaking out about it. Like it wasn't that he, he basically was saying like, it wasn't that good. Like, what's the big deal? Like he, there was just a dismissive nature to it. And I don't remember specifically what the copy was, but yeah, she, she addressed it immediately and was basically like you know, this is why we need to keep pushing forward. And this is why these stories matter. And I think just from like a gender perspective, like the fact that he couldn't understand that this movie might be transformative for women in any way, shape or form. when we've never seen a character like this before on screen is like absolutely bonkers. And he should be like fucking ashamed of himself. And he should apologize to us and everyone for even saying that. Absolutely. And I feel like it was so transformative for women. I mean, obviously, but it was also like talking to all of our guy friends, like talking to everyone, literally everyone who saw this movie was like, that was a breath of fresh air. And it was a breath of fresh air because it was directed by a woman Mm -hmm. and a story about a woman. And that story could not have been told any other way. Absolutely. And let's also talk about like how much money it made and how like it's still continuing to crush box office records. And I I don't know, it just it's dismissive on so many levels. It's like the movie movie was fantastic. It was transformative. It was groundbreaking and it made tons and tons and tons of money. So like check yourself, James Cameron, and like take a seat. Right. And I feel like uh, and riffing off of that. Can we just award Wonder Woman 2 to Patty Jenkins and get over ourselves? What is this back and forth that we are like humming and hawing about whether or not this woman is capable of a sequel? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's so gendered. Well, I think it's outrageous that they didn't even sign her on for a sequel. I mean, that to me, when I found out they were renegotiating, I was like, I hope she takes them for every penny that she is worth. Because it's insane to me that they, they didn't believe in it. That's all it's saying is like they weren't sure. Oh, and I don't know how many times this woman needs to prove herself before they actually move forward with making this the incredible franchise it's going to be. But like, can we just please get over that and sign her and move forward with this? Like, totally. So there's that. (laughs) Um, I really want to see Gloria Steinem's story told. Ooh, girl. So... Gloria and what are we, I... What are we, what are we visualizing here? I'm a documentary, narrative, a made-for-TV movie, an HBO series. Okay, here's... Because I'm available for all of them. Right. <laughs> so here's how I'd like it to roll out. And I would like it to roll out while she's still alive. Like, uh-huh. God bless Gloria, but yeah. she's getting up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Brie Larson. Okay. As Gloria Steinem. Wow. I feel like that's a space she could step into so amazingly. I'm into it. I would love to see either HBO buy it as a limited, limited series mm-hmm. or, I mean, we just go full Oscar run with a biopic of my life on the road. I feel like it needs to be longer. Yeah. And I would love to see a series. 
like the minute that came out of my mouth, I was like, that feels right. Because there's so many different um, iterations and you can even have different women play different, you know, eras of her life. I mean, that would be really fabulous. And just like having all the incredible characters that were involved in that time, like Wilma Mankiller and Betty Friedan and Bella Abzug and like these incredible women who would yeah. just like bring, breathe so much life into each episode. It'd be so fun to also see like her, her right? and Betty Friedan like not in, like having to see their disconnect played out because so many people think that they're friends and that they have like a positive relationship. Yeah. Because they're both two feminist icons who are totally on different pages. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel like there was also, I mean, that book came out, and that's one of the best books I've ever read. Agreed. If you haven't read My Life on the Road by Gloria Steinem, like, you need to go and pick it up immediately. Um, it's a great thing to read on the train to Philadelphia to see the cat circus. Um, <laughs> but I, I just feel like that deserves such a visual story because mm-hmm. her life is just incredible. Yeah. Well, I would like to see Reese Witherspoon not make a big little lies, too. Oh, controversy. I just feel like it was perfect. And I, at, you know, when it first ended, I was like, we need more. And now I just feel like, let's just let it be as like one of the best shows in television. Okay. I'm like so excited to hear you say this, first of all, because <laughs> full disclosure, we watched the last episode together. Yeah. Eating pasta in your apartment. And I was like, I think it's one of the most perfect finales I've ever watched. Yeah. And I just don't want to see them ruin it. No. It's just too good. Oh it was God. great. It was perfect. Can we just like let it be what it is and like just let that exist in a space and let Reese Witherspoon take on other projects and Nicole Kidman and yeah. Laura Dern and like, like let this they let this be a stepping stone for all of them to continue to do groundbreaking work. I don't think Reese Witherspoon I trust Reese Witherspoon and I trust that she will not do it just for the sake of. Yeah. Well maybe they'll have another great story. And that would be great, too. You're not... Yeah, I don't know. No. I'm going back on what I said. Because, <laughs> you know, because I just... The three of them together are so powerful. Laura Dern, especially, too, is just... She's such a... I have no words for her. She's incredible. I mean, she's going to be in Star Wars. She's having such a career renaissance. Really? Yeah. What's she doing? She's playing a villain, I believe. Wow. She's, she's like, such or a good she actress. might be a general. I think she's a general. Yeah. She's like in this gorgeous, like regal purple cloak. Hmm. Yeah, there's so much with Nicole Kidman's character they could do too. Now I'm backtracking. Well, and I'd like to know. direct an episode of that as well. No, we need to move on before you can backtrack <laughs> because Big Little Lies too. With love should not be a thing. All right, fair enough. What is happening in Hollywood? Should we move on to the next segment? Sure. Of our favorite things that have happened in film and television for women in the last year. So Diana and I, to start our, our, our to start ourselves off on this first episode, decided to backtrack and kind of go over our top five favorite things that have happened this year in film and television and what we're really into. And we have not shared our list together, although I'm assuming we're going to have some overlap. But I'm excited to hear... What do you, what's your number five? What, fi- what is on your list? My number five is Gypsy. Oh. With Miss Naomi Watts on Netflix. Have you watched? This is your t- part of your top five. I have never seen it. Okay. I stumbled <laughs> upon, let me get into it. I stumbled upon this show, Bored, one afternoon, as one does on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And her character in this show is so interesting. 
Okay. It's a little uneven, which is why it's at number five for me. Mm-hmm. But her relationship to Billy Crudup, who plays her husband. I love Billy Crudup. Like, special place in my heart for that man. Mm-hmm. Um, is so fascinating to watch. And the way that Naomi Watts is kind of redefining herself. I feel like, what do I know Naomi Watts from? Like, she's in everything, but I feel like I don't have anything to place her. The Impossible was, like, a very big movie for her in the last five years. I haven't seen it. It's the hurricane, or the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can visualize the trailer, but I've never seen it. Yeah. She's just kind of this, like, she's so pretty, right? Like, she's, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, beautiful. Mm -hmm. But she takes really rugged and really strange roles. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. And that's, like, kind of what Gypsy is as well. It's in keeping with that line of, like, this could be a really boring story. Mm Mm-hmm. And she brings such a different level to the character. So it's about a woman who's a therapist in Manhattan. Mm. And she... Is it set in present time? Yeah. Okay. And she develops an inappropriate relationship, not with her, like, clients Mm -hmm. or patients, but with the people that the patients have the relationships with. Ooh, interesting. So, like, this woman... Trying to, like, mess with them a little bit? Yeah. Ooh, I like like, One of the women is a mother, and mm-hmm. she's, like, in her 60s, and she has this really tumultuous relationship with her adult daughter. So Naomi Watts becomes friends with the adult daughter. <gasps> and oh she doesn't, gosh. like, obviously, she's not, like, showing up and being like, hey, your mom is one of my patients. Right. She's, like, going to where she gets her is hair blown Is she trying out. to, like, further understand her patients, or what's her intention? I think she's playing God. I think she just loves to, like, because what she'll do is she'll kind of get in their heads. Mm-hmm. So another one of her patients is like, he's always talking about his ex-girlfriend. So she becomes friends with the ex-girlfriend. Spooky. And then kind of like tries to steer her away from him mm-hmm. to keep him in this like really uh, dependent state. Interesting. Is it like a thriller or like what's the genre? Yeah, it gets it gets a little bit into thriller. It's mostly just like really psychological. And to be honest, like for the first few episodes, I was like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. where is this going? This is not at all what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, but her relationship with Billy Crudup, what, one of the reasons I love it so much is because, you know, they're having all the problems in their relationship. They have a daughter who they think is gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, they're both fine with it, but it's the whole thing of, like, society is not fine with it. Yeah. And so all the other moms in the PTA group are, like, upset about it. Um, but their relationship could be so stock. They could mm-hmm. be that couple that's just, like, going through it and having a hard time. And instead, like, it gets a little creepy. Interesting. Fun. That's number five. Wow, interesting. Well, I'll have to check it out, get back <laughs> to you, binge watch it. Yeah. Um, my number five is Hidden Figures. Okay. <laughs> Great number five. We saw this together. We did see it together. I just feel like it was a film that just was... So incredible for so many different reasons, obviously in the representation category, but I felt like it was such a joyful film and it just kept giving. Like I just kept being surprised watching it at how much love there was in it. And it just kept continuing to like, you know, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but from like the romance in it to the career side, it just kept giving and giving and giving. And to see the three of these women succeed um, kind of on their different paths, but together was so rewarding and so fun and I feel like it'll be a film that I watch like when I'm feeling down or like when I need to pick me up and um and Taraji P. Henson is just 
spectacular in every way. And I mean, the cast was phenomenal. So yeah, I, absolutely. I, I loved it. Yeah. And I also feel like it was such a delightful film. And then the fallout from it, where it kind of got recognized in awards season. I she didn't like, get nominated. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it, I feel like the social impact of it felt like it definitely had a presence. Mm-hmm. And like to hear about, you know, I was reading an article that said statistically that, you know, these young, they had shown the film. I can't remember if it was in like Harlem or Queens or like, I can't remember what city had brought the film into all of their elementary schools and like had the girls watch. I mean, there, there's just so much energy and I think you know really good media should be transformative and I think when you're in a space like that and when you can see that and feel that I definitely you know sitting in that it changed me I'm not a woman of color but I can't imagine like had I been interested in sciences or the arts in that way you know the kind of confidence I would have felt from seeing it validated on screen so I just um yeah I feel like it could have definitely been rewarded but even at the Oscars when they brought out the astronaut I mean I just all of it I thought it was really well done um they also premiered the, their film at the White House, which I thought was in the same room that we did, which was really incredible to see her posting all the photos and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, it was a film that I enjoyed. Yeah. Top five. I agree. I think it, I think it really hits a nice note of what film is for, which yeah. is exactly as you said, like how many little girls were validated watching that movie and just like, I... And big girls. I mean, I was like, well, this exactly. is, I'm all in. Like, this is, it was yeah. great. Yeah, I was thinking of the elementary schools. But yeah, yeah it's like, sure. just the power of film is to see these stories represented and to see them represented in such a beautiful way is really validating. Yeah. Agreed. Great. Number five. Thank you. Um, <laughs> number four. I'm torn. Really? So number four could be, could go either way for me. I really love Bridget Jones's baby. Wow. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on a film and television podcast? I mean, I watched it first, didn't I? And you then did. I, yeah, and then I told you to watch it. Now, I feel like I have been out of the Bridget Jones's universe, but and I just was kind of like, I'm going to watch it because I have like nothing to watch. I'm just going to throw it on. Seems fun. Um, and the first like three minutes of the movie where she's lip syncing, I was like, I'm all in. Like, I'm in. This is great. Well, that's how and all was, of them start. It was awesome. It was amazing. And there was such a love that that film was made with. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so skeptical about it because I was worried it was a money grab. You know, they didn't base it on one of the books, which the first two films are based on the books. I don't even know if I've seen the first two. Girl. I know. You need to see I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll back it up. I, I will. I'll backtrack. I mean, <laughs> come on. And obviously, I mean... I just love, like, Renee Zellweger is, like, she's never been somebody I've, like, been super in love with. I love Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bridget Jones is one of those characters for me, like Carrie Bradshaw, like Rachel Green, um, that just has, she has such a place in my heart. And mm-hmm. I loved seeing all the characters on screen together. Are you a Friends fan? Oh, like, the biggest Friends fan. What? Do you not like Friends? No. The podcast is over and we're canceling <laughs> this right now. Oh, my God. How do we not know this? I don't know. I feel, Maybe just because I've avoided all friends' conversation. It feels like How I Met Your Mother to me. Like, it's not based in any kind of real reality. I can't watch How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing on any level. <laughs> How can you say this is not based in reality? We live six blocks from each other. We are friends. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was like... Even when I was younger, I was like, is this all there is here? I just, I never loved it. I was like, <laughs> is this all there is here? You know, 
Rachel, Monica, and the gang are falling real short for Aaron Bagwell. Yeah, I mean, because my parents watched it very religiously. And so I was always kind of around for it and just, yeah, I really never, li- I'm. You were I- around for that pop culture <laughs> phenomenon, notice friend. Yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I remember my friends being obsessed and like having all the DVDs. And I was like, I don't, just something about, just, it missed me. I don't know why. Well, I obviously realize I'm in the minority here. This, it is a pop culture phenomenon. Well, no, no, no. I, like, I feel like, you know. I'm, it just I'm, never spoke to me. And like, fair enough. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't. That happens. I'm trying to normalize this for you, but I'm I'm struggling. Um, you don't have to. Okay, well. So Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones's <laughs> Baby is an amazing film, but please watch one and two before you watch three because, you know, Hugh Grant isn't in the third. His character is amazing. I know. Are they going to do another one? I mean. Because they have to, right? They have what to. What a cliffhanger at There's the end. There's another book. Yeah. There's an entirely other book. I'm excited about it. But Hugh Grant's old now, so we got to get him like into the, some facials before we can put him on screen again. Ouch. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like. um, my number four is Glow. My number three is Glow. Oh, yeah. I loved. We hit on the same one finally. I loved. I loved. I loved it. I loved the complicated female friendship. That was like my favorite part. I think watching the two of them fight. Um, watching them kind of try to figure out how to communicate with each other after having such a big rift. I loved seeing kind of the inside of like their marriage and them trying to like figure it out. Mark Marin was fine, which is all he really needed to be in it. Yeah. Um, and the women, the ensemble cast was such a delight. I loved every single one of them. And I really loved um, the guy who was like the rich producer wackadoo like he has such a free wonky energy i just really loved him he reminds me of rob Lowe. yes yeah yeah he was so fun um and brie larson wow i mean I th- she's just like her the space she took up in that series was just like she was phenomenal like Alison i was Alison brie thank mm-hmm. you she was so 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 good yeah, I mean, what I loved, and you hit on this so beautifully, is I love the gray zone that mm-hmm. that show is so comfortable sitting in. Yeah. You know, they just go episode on episode on episode and, like, do are we, do we have a show? Do we not have a show? So for people who don't know, like, it's a show within a show. They're yeah. producing the gorgeous ladies of wrestling television show in the 80s. And it just occupies this really uncomfortable space, both in, like, not really, not really feeling like it needs to be about anything other than these women just kind of finding their own two feet and bringing something together. And when we found out that she was having, and this is like in the first episode, so like get over it, I'm spoiling it. But like when we find out she's having the, uh, the affair with her best friend, I was, I gasped mm-hmm. like audibly. I was like, <gasps> like, I can't believe they're doing like what a, like what a jab and like what a place to place both of these characters. And I thought it was really brave and really honest. And there was something really, um, phenomenal about them trying to figure it out together while trying to make this whole ship keep sailing so I loved it yeah I love the way that her and her it's really like the crux of it is her and her best friend it's really like and her best friend like loving being a mom to this like new baby but also like this is not enough Mm -hmm. and I'm really loving seeing that conversation happening um you know big little lies hit on it uh more and more pieces of media are starting to hit on this thing of like it's okay to want more it's okay mm-hmm. to like still find fulfillment elsewhere. 
Yeah, um, and I feel like especially fulfillment like outside of the relationship traditionally of the husband and wife, yeah. you know, that you need your tribe and you need your sisterhood and what happens when somebody that you deeply care about is no longer a part of your life anymore and how do you reconcile that and how do you keep working with them? So um, something, yeah, that I thought was so excellently done and really loved. I agree. And we finally hit on the same piece of media, yeah, which I, I know, like, finally. kind of surprised it took us this My long. number three was Big Little Lies. Oh, girl. I know. Yeah, I figured you'd move it move it up a little. It's my number one. It's your number one? It's my number Spoiler one. Spoiler for our list. Uh, well, Big Little, I mean, where do we start with Big Little? I mean, we got into it a little bit earlier, but I mean, everything about it was so well done. I, I don't even know where to begin, really. I think the, the, there are complicated relationships with, with each other, what they choose to share and not share. Um, the relationship with Nicole Kidman and Scarsgaro was <laughs> phenomenal and terrifying and complicated. And I remember hearing an interview with Nicole Kidman where she tells Reese Witherspoon that she couldn't get into her hotel room. Have I told you this? No. She couldn't get into her, to- ho- her hotel room one night after filming. She took a rock and she threw it through the window. <laughs> like she, th- she was like, my body is holding so much tension from these sexual assault scenes that I, ha- that I was so angry that I – she's like I and she and her Nicole Kidman voice was like I've never done anything like this and <laughs> this is like something I wouldn't do but she threw a freaking bo- like boulder through her hotel window to like get in and she was just so mad and like the intensity of like them having to do those scenes together and and Reese also obviously being part of like the production end and then they were talking about how when they were filming the last scene it took like seven days and they were like up all night and she's like helping them produce and da 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 and like I'm sure doing a million things while trying to mentally center into a place where she is has to then take him down at the end was phenomenal like crazy. Yeah, it was so beautiful to watch. Um I I've just never seen I haven't seen a series like that in a long time where I l- was on board for every scene. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they wasted a frame of that series. I feel like nothing was throwaway. I feel mm-hmm. like everyone was so present and so intentional. I think this is the power of women women are charge in charge of production. I think this is the power of having four incredible women with Shailene Woodley, Laura Dern, Reese and Witherspoon, and Nicole Kidman um, coming together and just really taking this and and creating a phenomenal story around it. Mm-hmm. Um, the relationships between the four women are so different than anything else we ever see women portrayed as on television um and even the relationship with um Reese Witherspoon and her daughter also was like something that I thought was very unique too and and like I when I heard there was one line in it where she was like you're always going to be my little girl and I don't know if our mothers this is just something that they say or I feel like I've heard that a thousand times in my life I have never seen it on screen I was like yes it, it felt not cliche but it felt like homecoming like oh yes this is us let me like take a breath we're in good hands oh exactly and like you can tell that it was the script was like uh, collaborative you can tell that Reese Witherspoon like had worked on it and Mm -hmm. had like developed it out with the writers and had developed it from the book and the screenplay and all these kind of things like it was just so real Mm -hmm. and I hadn't seen a show develop that level of authenticity Mm -hmm. in so long yeah really phenomenal Big Little Lies is my number one number one What's your, um, your number three was Glow, right? Yeah. Or what is your other? Number two. Yeah, what's your number two? Atomic Blonde. 
Atomic Blonde was your number two? Atomic Blonde is my number two. Wow. And this is an unpopular opinion. Well, you, yeah, you yourself was saying that you, you didn't <laughs> love it. It's your number two. I think I watched Atomic Blonde. I've been thinking a lot about it. I watched it on a day where I just, it was one of those days where uh-huh. I just felt like the wind had been kicked out of me. Mm-hmm. And I went to go see this movie on a like spur of the moment. I had just gotten back from Canada, um, which is where I'm from. And uh, we were... You're from Canada? I'm from Canada. Did you not realize? I have no idea. We worked together for two years. <laughs> I mean, we cover the Kardashians. We don't cover each other's relationships. But, um, And I loved it. Yeah. And people don't love it. And I loved it because Charlize Theron is so strong in it. Mm-hmm. And I needed to see... Or just beat the shit out of people. Exactly. Yeah. And the way she's filmed is so beautiful, but also so threatening. Mm-hmm. And I think that whoever was doing the cinematography or the DP or whatever just did an amazing job of like putting her on screen in her own two feet, just embodying strength. It's what a lot of people loved seeing Wonder Woman for. Yeah, yeah. Like just that same like Amazonian mm-hmm. kick ass quality. Interesting. So I loved Atomic Blonde. To be honest, the story is very take it or leave it, but I think it just caught me in a moment. Well, she's great. And her wig is great. I've never, I haven't seen the movie, but. I kind of want to cut my hair like that. Is it too much? You'd have to go platinum, though, if you're going to do that style. It is a look. Yeah, you really got to go all in. I don't know if I can do platinum. My number two was Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Great point. <laughs> I knew you were going to have it on there, and I wanted you to cover it because. <laughs> It needs to be covered, first of all. And yeah. second of all, I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I just felt like, honestly, I feel embarrassed that it took me so long to watch it because I feel like everyone was saying, like, it's so heavy. It's about sexual assault. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be intense to watch. And, you know, with everything going on, you know, politically, I feel like I have been watching stuff that's lighter and kind of being in more of a space where I'm, like, taking breaks from really intense kind of media and content, but I feel like what a disservice I was doing to my past self because I feel like it was so powerful. And to see, you know, obviously the traumatic things that they go through, but it's so well done. It's so well filmed. Like there's specifically the scenes, you know, obviously where they're being, um, you know, doing whatever the ceremony is or blah, 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 where they're getting raped. But like the really intense scenes are like when he kisses her. And she goes into the bathroom and she washes like the like you can feel what it's like. They don't need to like be disgusting and gory and like Game of Thrones level, like physical. Like we know what it is, you know, like we can see it. We can feel it at our bones. Um, And I just think they did such a fabulous job of showing the resistance and the resilience of these women that, you know, through being so marginalized, continue to push forward and to claim space and to play the game. You know, like, how do I take power back in this situation? Like, to see Offred, like, figure out how to manipulate, um, he's not her master, whatever they call him in the series, is so insane. Like, and she's so powerful. Um, I will say they didn't really talk about race, I think, in a realistic way, which is kind of weird. Like, we're going to really dive into gender and, you know, and almost gender and sexual orientation, but we're not going to talk about race. It just seemed kind of like a weird... Over, like, they missed something there. Agreed. Um, but I thought overall it felt like a really powerful series, and I felt like mentally I was, like, taking notes of, like, okay, like this is the resistance. This is how we do it. But, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's so much happening right now that we have to pay attention, and we have to be 
in it. And I just felt very, very seen by the series. And I thought it was such a gift to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the nice thing about it, I mean, you can't use the word nice and Handmaid's Tale in the same sentence. But <laughs> I think what I really enjoyed about it is that it doesn't, sh- it doesn't shy away from mm-hmm. portraying how horrific this world is that they live in and the horrific things that women go through. And go through in the world that we live in today. And I and loved, I, sorry, just to interrupt you, but the the relationship too with like the handmaids, um, what are they called? Mother, like the whatever, whoever the wives are, like the fact that we're seeing now a shift in power where like these women can't read and they're like basically just like kind of matrix of their own household and like they can't do anything. I loved seeing kind of the dynamics of now they're starting to get power and it's interesting, I feel like there's such a conversation around intersectional feminism of the women not coming together to support each other and how they're operating on different planes and they're not helping. Like, I can't wait to see that built out in season two, hopefully. That's such an interesting conversation. Yeah, the women not supporting other women is one of the facets that I was most intrigued by in that series. Yeah. And I loved the woman that played his wife, too. Yeah. Oh, my God, I loved her. And I felt such empathy for her and her, like, quest for wanting children and, like, the rage and like the animalistic, uh, you know, passion that she just feels so depleted. I thought that was so relatable and something I feel like I haven't seen either. And, you know, maybe a little bit of Charlotte and Sex in the City when they can have <laughs> children. But I thought that was really well done as well because you make her relatable and likable in a way. Yeah. And she has to be. I mean, the human aspect of Handmaid's Tale is what makes it so powerful. It's like yeah. this isn't just villains and and heroes. And it's not just black and white. There's like this really crazy gray zone happening. I'm yeah. all about the gray zone this morning. Yeah, love it. So you want to guess what my number one is? I can take a guess, but make the announcement. What's your guess? I don't want to make the guess. No? Kent, do you want to guess? <laughs> Producer Kent is shaking his head no. Everyone is waiting with We're bated all very breath. No- very nervous. I'm kind of like doing a mental checklist in my mind. Like we've covered the big ones. Yeah, I Wonder Woman, my number one. I thought it might be. Yeah. I loved it on so many levels. And I feel like it reminded me of when Hillary took the stage at the DNC. Like, it just felt like such a pivotal historic moment to see her when she specifically, like, they're having all those grenades and the bombs and they're in the middle of the field. And she's like, I got this. Move out of the way. I was just like, I lost my mind. I loved it. I feel like I cried throughout the entire end of the movie. And then I totally forgot that Patty Jenkins directed it. And then seeing her name on screen, I was just like, oh my God, like, could I, <laughs> it's not getting any better than this. Um, and I feel like I went into like a huge K-hole and I watched all these interviews with her afterwards. And I was like, I want to direct an action movie. Like I just, I really lost my mind watching it. And it was such a pleasure to kind of check out and go into that zone. And like the theater was so full of women. And women like smuggling wine in their purses yes. and just having the best time. And it was a really amazing energy to see it. And I feel like also, you know, I feel like I'm so sick of seeing action movies in general. Like my, you know, guy friends, like they love to come over and, you know, we'll watch movies or whatever. And that's always kind of what they gravitate towards. And I feel like I never got it. I was like, what's interesting about this? Like, I don't get it. And I feel like after watching Wonder Woman, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I want to see a thousand of these movies. Like, I'm, t- I'm all in. Like, I'm with it now. Yeah, you were all in. And I love that that... I didn't have the same reaction, and it kind of, like, makes me sad that I didn't. Yeah. I... And Robin Wright on a horse. Okay, stop. Oh, my God. The I feel stuff. like the first 30 minutes could have just, be- like, should have gotten an Oscar. There was perfect. And you just, like, hit on exactly what 
I wanted. Yeah. It was like the first 30 minutes with like these women and they're like island of women and the strength and like the ferocity and like yeah. the storyline there with Diana really coming into like her own power and all these And having it start with the little girl. I mean, stop. Perfect. I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it just kind of became a superhero movie for me. Yeah. And I think what I love about Wonder Woman is what it's done for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I love when I see audiences rally around something that's so worthy of, of the recognition it's receiving. Patty mm-hmm. Jenkins is incredible. She's, she built that film out so thoughtfully and so beautifully with um, the lead, Gal Galdo. Is that how you say Gal it? Gal Gadot. They Gal-dote. do say the T. You say the T. The okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, amazing. I love the sisterhood there. I love that there's just. Love that she was pregnant. While they're reshaving. I mean, just on and on. I know. Number one. It's great number one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we had different number ones, but both, I mean, both very important pieces of film and television. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great top five. Well, I feel like we're about ready to wrap up, but I think we wanted to share one little thing that we're going to keep our eye on that we hope the audience is going to be mindful of and looking out for. This is a big one. This is a big one. Do you want to say it, Diana? Because I actually didn't even know what was happening. You had to text me and tell me, which was embarrassing to me. Okay, Beaverettes. Lady Gaga has a documentary dropping on Netflix September 22nd. I go up at the end because I'm not entirely sure of the date. I believe it to be September 22nd. It premiered at TIFF. um, And it's all about the, I mean, extreme ups and extreme downs of her building out the Super Bowl halftime show. And it's called Gaga Five Foot Two. Um, and I literally can't wait. I saw the trailer. She posted about a million Instagram photos about it a couple weeks ago. And I literally cannot wait. Yeah. I, I also love kind of that deep dive into fame and the public persona and the people we share and the people we are. And it looks like they're definitely going to talk about and dissect some of that. So it looks really, really interesting. Diana and I actually just saw Gaga in concert. Two weeks ago? A yeah. week ago? Time is a myth. I have no idea. Yeah. And she was great. So we're so excited to see it. I'm sure we'll all get together and watch it. And then we'll chat about it here. Yeah. You can visit, come visit back with us and we'll uh, dissect it all. Pull it apart. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Diana. Thanks, Erin. This is so fun. We both have about a million drinks in front of us. We have mimosas. We have coffee. We have tea. We have water. I feel like we stayed very And we're going to stay here and finish it and then and then be on our way. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The The Bitch Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser... Here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.